Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, it's Francis Godwin. I hope you enjoy listening to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Program. Europa League Thursday, March 15, 2018 Arsenal v AC Milan Kick-off, 8.05pm The contents The manager, Arsene Wenger The captain, Per Mertesacker Voice of Arsenal Player feature, Eddie Enkatia Young Gun, Charlie Gilmore. You. Arsenal v Italy. Community. Pressure points. Match action. AC Milan v Arsenal. Women. Visitors. AC Milan. Match action. Arsenal v Watford. 1998 My Story Team The Boss, Arsene Wenger Our recent history against AC Milan should act as a warning tonight. Arsene was talking to Nick Brumsack. What happened the last time we played tonight's opponents should act as a good lesson for us this evening. We had a nightmare game over there in 2012 and we're very close to making it up in the second game. We got them into the fear zone, but we couldn't finish the game off. Van Persie had a great chance to make it 4-0 at the Emirates, but that didn't come off. We had a great response, but just didn't quite have enough on the night. That game is an example that the tie is never finished after the first leg. It all comes down to the psychological aspect of it, and on that evening we really made them wobble. So, with that in mind, we'll approach this game as though it's nil-nil and we need a win on the night. Against Ostersons in the last round, we were in a similar situation, but we had a hesitant start. It was three days before the League Cup final and maybe our focus was a little bit less because of that. Many of the players weren't involved though and the environment of the game was different to what it is tonight. For us, It's about taking each match as it comes. I am convinced that it is a good basis for the team on the spirit front, and overall I am very happy with the spirit of the players. The way they responded to a disappointing week was absolutely remarkable. 
Confidence comes back slowly, but it comes back with spirit. We have shown spirit, and we are in a strong position now against Milan. It's been important to prepare quietly, but with humility and keeping that desire in the team. Consistency is a sign of quality, and it's the most important quality for me. But sometimes, when you have a negative spell, it is difficult to get out. That's why it was important for us to turn the corner, especially when you have three big games in one week. If you lose the first one and then have a massive game after it, like we had in the League Cup final last month, you have more chances to lose the next one. It was important to get out of that. I thought we had a very good first half against Watford on Sunday. I regret that we didn't take our chances, and after that, in the second half, we suffered a bit because Watford put us under pressure. But? But we dealt well with the set pieces. After that, we stuck together and could take advantage of the weak moments they had defensively. In the end, it was a convincing win. It was an open game, basically. In Milan, we moved the ball very quickly, and against Watford, we did again, but we lost our legs a bit in the second half. A few bad passes came in then, when we lacked a little bit of freshness in the second half. The Watford win was a special one for Petra Cech, as he kept his 200th clean sheet in the league here. That statistic highlights what he's done in England. It's remarkable. On top of that, he saved a penalty too. His situation shows how football is. In one week, he went from hell to heaven. That's how life can be. But I like the two situations, because in the first, after the Brighton game, he showed a lot of humility and responsibility, and a record like that witnesses a lot of motivation and a huge level of intelligence. You don't last such a long time in the game if you aren't intelligent. Speaking of intelligence, I wanted to congratulate Masut Ozil on his 50th Premier League assist. I'm told that he reached that number faster than anyone else, and of course, he is an important player for us going forward. We have room for improvement, but it's not a coincidence that we scored four against Crystal Palace, five against Everton, and three against Watford. I'd also like to give credit to our defenders, because in the last two games, they have done extremely well, which is important. We have good news on the team news front. Apart from Santi, of course, everybody is available except Alexandre Lacazette, who is coming back into training but isn't ready to play tomorrow. Alex is on track. He had a full session outside on Wednesday and should be available after the international break. I've always admired AC Milan. I was coaching in France at the time that they had the likes of Ruud Gullit and Marco van Basten. I was friendly with Arrigo Sacchi and would go to watch games. I managed against Milan in the semi-final of the Champions League in 1994, and I knew they had the team to win it because they were above everyone else that year. I've always had a good relationship with Italian football. Enjoy the game tonight. The captain. First says there was a lot to be encouraged by in Sunday's win. We are happy that we came out of Sunday with a win. We executed what we wanted to do quite well. Having lost against Watford earlier in the season, we wanted to show that we could put the right intensity in over the whole 90 minutes. That's what we did. We scored in a variety of ways, and I especially felt the fact we scored from a set piece was vital. 
as it put us in a good position to win the game. When we win the ball high up the pitch, we can make the transition from defence to attack very quickly. Having Orba in the team helps that, because he's one of those players that Mesut can facilitate. Mesut is proven when it comes to occupying the right space, turning sharply and then finding the striker in the right space. We saw that on a few occasions on Sunday, which was pleasing, because it's what we've been working on. It's good to see we can execute it in a game situation. That makes the opponent more vulnerable in behind, meaning they drop in a little more and that gives us more space to play as a result. It was promising to see things starting to tick in regard to that. I'd like to congratulate Mesut on becoming the fastest player to reach 50 assists in the Premier League. We want to take advantage of his gift. To do that, we need to put him in the right places and play to his strength. I feel he's done an amazing job in taking advantage of that role, especially in the number 10 position, which I think suits him more. We want him to be successful in that position. What he's really good at is playing those passes in behind and finding our players running onto the ball, as he showed again at the weekend. Mickey and Alba are starting to link up well again too, but we need to continue working hard on that in training and take them to another level. They deserve praise but let's not get carried away. We have to keep working with the two of them on the training pitch to make sure we are prepared for whatever opponent we face. We did have one shaky moment on Sunday, when they had the penalty at 2-0, but other than that, I felt we were solid. I was delighted to see Petr Cech keep his 200th Premier League clean sheet, and the achievement will have been made a bit more special because he made a great save from the penalty. That made things more comfortable for us. It's obvious that 2-1 is a very dangerous scoreline. And everyone was so delighted for him to see Petter reach 200 clean sheets. It's an outstanding accomplishment. I felt we were strong defensively, and I was pleased to see Rob Holding do well after coming back into the team. Game time is so important. You can do everything in training, but it's different pressure when you have to do those things on a match day. I'm delighted he can cope with these situations. It's not easy when you miss a lot of games, and then all of a sudden you come back into the team. He's resilient, he's mentally tough, and able to take that. I thought his performance was very good. He went well into every tackle, and looked solid in the air as well. It was good to see him back on the pitch, putting those things into practice, proving he's capable of implementing what we've done in training, and what we've spoken about. We're just proud of him, and we want to continue with that, especially against Milan tonight. We can learn a lot from the second leg of the Ottersund's tie, and hopefully we show that we've done so tonight. There's a responsibility for all of us tonight to take care of the ball, and to make sure we keep possession well. We can't allow them any chances. That's something we absolutely have to limit. It's about starting well, and not giving them any confidence in the opening stage so we'll approach the game as though the tie is nil-nil. We need to take it from there and not get carried away by our aggregate lead. The focus needs to be solely on tonight's game. If we think differently, we'll be punished. If anyone thinks they can give 5% less than usual, we'll be punished. Power was talking to Nick Brumsack. Voice of Arsenal. Petra's big 
double century. Big congratulations to Petra Cech, who kept his 200th Premier League clean sheet in the weekend's win over Watford. Our number 33 has recorded more shutouts in the competition than anyone else, and Petra's milestone was made all the more memorable by the fact that he saved his first penalty in an Arsenal shirt on Sunday. With us leading 2-0, Watford were awarded a penalty. Freudini stepped up and Petra dived to his right, harming the ball to safety. In total, Petra has kept 38 clean sheets for us in the league since joining from Chelsea in 2015. It highlights what Petra Cech has done. 200 clean sheets in his career? That's remarkable, said Arsene Wenger after the match. And a record like that witnesses a lot of motivation and a huge level of intelligence because you don't last in the game for such a long time if you're not intelligent. Well done, Petra. We're looking forward to more clean sheets this season. Hundreds and thousands. Dracoljan Mustafi's early header against Watford on Sunday was particularly notable it was our 1,000th home goal in Premier League history. In a way, it was fitting that a centre-back scored our 1,000th goal, as our first in the competition was also scored by a central defender, none other than current assistant manager Steve Bolt. We are only the second Premier League side after Manchester United to reach the milestone and did so in 496 home matches. Of the first 1,000, more were scored at Highbury, 543, as opposed to 457 at the Emirates. Though we average more goals per game at the Emirates, 2.06 versus 1.99 at Highbury. Thierry Henry leads the way with home Premier League games scored for us with 120. Ian Wright, 57. Robin Van Persie, 51. Dennis Bergkamp, 46, and Olivier Giroud, 40, complete the top five. After Henri, Alexandre Lacazette has the best goals per game ratio at home, 1.71. More of the 1,000 scored in the second half of games, 554, with our most prolific home Premier League season coming in 2004-05 when we netted 54 times. Mesut's King of the Assists Petra Cech wasn't our only first-teamer to break a record on Sunday lunchtime. Mesut Ozil became the fastest player to reach 50 Premier League assists. Mesut created Shikoja Mustafi's early opening goal with an inviting free kick, and in doing so, set up a league goal for the 50th time since signing from Real Madrid in 2013. Mesut was making his 141st league appearance for us, and he reached his half-century of assists in two games fewer than previous record holder Eric Cantona. In total, 35 players have created at least 50 goals in the Premier League. Dennis Bergkamp did it in 146 matches, and Sask Fabregas did so in 165. Thierry Henry, 174 games, 
and Robin Van Persie 241 are the other former Gunners to feature on the list. We've got history. Last Thursday, 2-0 win was our seventh all-time fixture against AC Milan, and our success over the course of those games has varied. We were beaten 2-0 on aggregate by tonight's opponent in the 1995 Super Cup. 13 years later, we met Milan again, this time in the Champions League last 16. After a goalless draw at Emirates Stadium, goals from Cesc Fabregas and Emmanuel Adebayor secured our place in the last eight of the competition as we became the first English team to beat AC Milan at the San Siro in the process. Gennaro Gattuso, now manager of our opposition this evening, played the full 90 minutes of that match. We met at the same stage four years later. This time, we were on the wrong end of a thrilling tie. A 4-0 first leg defeat in Italy ensured that we had little chance of progressing. But three weeks on from that loss, a blistering first half at Emirates Stadium raised hopes of a remarkable comeback. Loren Kozilny, Thomas Rosicki and Robin Van Persie all scored before the break. But although we continued to create chances after the break, we were unable to find an all-important fourth goal. Tonight's permutation. We enter tonight's match in a healthy position, courtesy of last week's 2-0 victory at San Siro. That means that AC Milan must win by at least two goals if they are to have any chance of progressing. A 2-0 win for our opponents after 90 minutes would see the match go to extra time. Were there to be no goals during the extra 30 minutes, the tie would then be decided by a traditional penalty shootout not the ABBA system. If Milan were to lead 2-0 after 90 minutes and end up winning by a two-goal margin of 3-1 or higher after extra time, they would qualify for the quarter-final due to the away goals rule, which counts for the extra half hour of tonight's fixture too. Rambo's milestone, Aaron Ramsey fine finish in the San Siro last week gave us a crucial second away goal in an eventual 2-0 win. It was also the 350th goal scored by an English club in the Europa League. Quarter-final draw. The winner of this tie will reach the quarter-final stage of the Europa League. Draw for the last eight takes place from midday tomorrow, UK time. This will be an open draw in which no teams are seeded and clubs from the same national association can be drawn against each other. The side drawn first will play the first leg at home, and the quarter-final fixtures will be played on Thursday, April 5th and Thursday, April 12th. Here's a reminder of the seven other first-leg results. Atletico Madrid 3, Locomotive Moscow 0, Borussia Dortmund 1, Red Bull Salzburg 2, CSKA Moscow 0, Lyon 1, Lazio 2, Dinamo Kiev 2, Marseille 3, Athletic Bilbao 1, Red Bull Leipzig 2, Denitz and Petersburg 1, Sporting Lisbon 2, Victoria Pilsen 0. Thank you and good luck Laurie. On behalf of Arsenal Football Club, we'd like to congratulate Laurie Berriman, VP of Emirates UK and Ireland, on his retirement at the end of this month after nearly 30 years of service with Emirates. 
thank you, Laurie, for your contribution to the Arsenal Emirates partnership over the years. And we wish you all the best with your future endeavours. Mickey off the mark. Henrik Mkhitaryan is enjoying a fine start to his Arsenal career. And our number 7, or number 77 in this competition, followed up his opener in the San Siro last Thursday with his first goal at Emirates Stadium in Sunday's 3-0 win against Watford. In doing so, Mickey became the 101st player to score a home goal for us in the Premier League era. Well done, Mickey. Here's to many more. Baggett win with Arsenal and Puma. In every programme this season, the club's kit partner, Puma, are giving away travel bags. Just answer this question to be in with a chance of winning. Question time. Which player assisted Jack Wilshere's famous goal against Norwich City in October 2013? Email your answers, including your full name and address to programme at arsenal.co.uk or tweet at Arsenal Magazine. All entries to us by Wednesday, March 21st, please. One entry per person. Above and beyond, congratulations to Omar Thomas, who went above and beyond with his programme selling skills against Watford on Sunday. Omar deservedly won a Puma track jacket and we'd like to thank him for his sterling efforts on the day. If you think one of our programme sellers has gone above and beyond, please let us know by emailing programme at arsenal.co.uk. Ref watch Jonas Eriksson. Tonight's referee is Jonas Eriksson from Sweden. Born in Lulea, the 43-year-old became a professional referee in 1994 and has refereed at the top level of Swedish football since 2000. The fourth official at the 2015 Champions League final, Mr Eriksson has taken charge of four matches in that competition this season, including Manchester City's 4-0 last 16 win at Baal last month. Manchester United's 4-1 win against CSKA Moscow last September and Chelsea's 3-0 group stage defeat at the hands of Roma. Mr Eriksson has shown eight yellow cards and two red cards in his four Champions League matches this season. This evening's match will be his first in the Europa League in 2017-18. Coming together for Downs Syndrome On Saturday and Sunday, March 10th and 11th, Arsenal in the community North London United took part in some activities to celebrate the upcoming World Downs Syndrome Day on March 21st. On Saturday, we hosted the Palace for Life Foundation for a football festival, bringing together young people with Down Syndrome from North and South London and celebrating their football skills together. On Sunday, March 11th, we invited both our group and participants from the Watford Community Education Sports Trust to have a presentation pitch side before Sunday's game and to watch the match part of our Arsenal for Everyone commitment. It's Charlton in the Women's FA Cup. Arsene Wenger's first team squad aren't in action this weekend, but you can still get your football fix by cheering on Arsenal women. Joe Montemiro's side face Charlton Athletic the SSE Women's FA Cup quarter-final on Sunday, with kick-off at 2pm. The match takes place at Meadow Park, Boreham Wood, and is a rerun of the 2007 final, 
which we won thanks to two goals each from Kelly Smith and Jane Ludlow. If you can't make it to the game but want to follow it, we'll be providing live updates on Twitter. You can visit at ArsenalWFC for those. Women's Continental Cup Final Arsenal women faced Manchester City in last night's Continental Tires Cup Final. And if you're not aware of the final score yet, head to arsenal.com for comprehensive reaction. Exclusive player interview. Eddie and Keatia by Max Jones. Born London, May 30th, 1999, joined Arsenal as a scholar in summer 2015, signed pro September 2016. Stats? Eddie scored 24 goals in 2015-16 and 24 goals in 2016-17 to add to the 11 he has scored at all levels so far this season. Eddie had played less than two minutes of first-team football for Arsenal before he scored his first goal for the club. Eddie has scored seven times in six England under-19 appearances and four from two England under-18 games. There was a moment during our first leg win for all our fans to savour, but only those inside San Siro would have witnessed it. While Arsene Wenger was addressing the changing room after his side had taken a one-goal lead into half-time, Four of our academy graduates were warming up on one of the most iconic pitches in world football. Alex Iwobi, Ainsley, Maitland-Niles, Reese Nelson and Eddie Nketiah, who have all followed the same pathway from the academy to our first team via Boreham Woods Meadow Park, each took a moment to marvel at the sheer scale of the historic stadium, hoping to join fellow graduate Jack Wilshire in action for the second half. Ultimately, only Ainsley would be introduced, as we recorded an impressive win in northern Italy, but that doesn't mean there won't be game time for our youngsters as we continue to go deep into the latter stages of this competition. After all, Ainsley and Reese were ever-presents at wing-back during our group stage campaign, while Alex was trusted to be our creator-in-chief throughout those early rounds. Eddie also made his first-team debut in Group H, as we chalked up a 4-2 win at Barty Borisov. But you get a sense the teenager's most important contribution in this competition is still to come. With Alexandre Lacazette currently sidelined with a knee injury and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang ineligible, Eddie was named as Danny Welbeck's understudy before our last 32 win at Ulster Suns and has been a regular on Wenger's bench ever since, even making his Premier League debut at Brighton and Hove Albion two weeks ago. It was another milestone in an unforgettable season for the 18-year-old, who was rewarded with a new long-term deal back in December after his match-winning performance against Norwich and another indication of how far he has come in the 12 months since he was banging in the goals for our under-18s. We caught up with Eddie ahead of tonight's game, to talk about our Europa League journey so far, learning from our world-class strikers and why he believes he will always be able to make an impact when called upon. Firstly, Eddie, let's talk about the win over Watford at the weekend. What impressed you most from the bench? 
probably the way we stuck together. Everyone worked for each other to show that we are coming back from the recent form and that we can really push forward to get good results. We returned to winning ways at San Siro. What worked so well in Milan? Everyone just worked together well. We know we've got quality players, and they all produced on that night. It was the same on Sunday afternoon, so I'm hoping we can really build on this to keep pushing forward. What did it feel like to warm up at San Siro? I was a bit disappointed to not come on, but it was a great experience for me to have with the squad. Warming up and getting a few touches on that sensational pitch was really surreal, and it's a motivation for me to make sure that the next time I travel, I'll be in the team and playing. Do you have to prepare any differently to play in that sort of stadium? I just treat every game the same, really. It's always a chance to impress, and I'm always in the right frame of mind to make sure that if I come on, I do well. Hopefully, then I can take my chance to impress. You've played in a few hostile stadiums this season during our Europa League campaign. What's that experience like as a player? It's different because you're used to the fans getting behind you with home support at Emirates Stadium. When there's a hostile atmosphere, you have to have thick skin and really stick together as a team to prove them wrong and come away with a good result. That's always the way to deal with these kinds of occasions. How useful has the Europa League been for building your confidence and that of our other academy youngsters too? It's been great for me to get a few appearances in the Europa League. It's getting into the latter stages now, so maybe the team will rotate a bit from that group stage squad, but I've still been involved in most games. I'm just looking to push forward by getting more appearances, whether that's off the bench or whenever I'm selected. It seems like Vlad Dragomir's really kicked on since being involved in the first team squad too. It's just about staying humble and making sure you go into each game with the right mentality. Scoring goals is always a confidence booster, whether it's me, Vlad or any of the other boys. When you come up to play at a higher level and then rejoin the under-23s, you've got more belief in yourself. Training with the first team every day helps you improve and allows you to improve better for the under-23s, I think is a massive bonus. You also made your Premier League debut at Brighton. The result didn't go our way, but it must still have been special. That's probably the pinnacle. It's something I've been working towards my whole life. You grow up watching the Premier League on TV, so to come on and make my debut is a real sign of all the hard work I've put in, my family's put in, and it's just a proud moment. I'm delighted to have been able to share it with them, and grateful to the boss for giving me that opportunity. Hopefully, there are many more appearances to come. What have you done with the shirt? I've kept it, and I'm going to frame it, so I can hang it up in my house for everyone to see. The Norwich one is up there too, and that's probably one of the best nights I've ever had. I can't forget that one. Given how much of an impact you made that night, how hard has it been to remain grounded? I've got good people around me. My family and my parents are always looking after me to make sure I stay humble. 
That Norwich game was a great night for me. People got a glimpse of what I can do. But I'm just working hard because I'm determined to get my chance. I want to show people that I'm able to do that on a regular basis. So I just want to keep pushing and see how far I can go. What have you learned from working with Pierre and Alexandre on a daily basis? I've been watching their movement, how they finish in front of goal. Everyone has a different style, so I'm just trying to pick up a few things from them. They're world-class strikers, so to be able to train with them and learn from them is a great feeling. I just want to keep working hard by learning from the best. What were the targets you set yourself before this season? It was probably to make my debut. That was a big one. After that, my Premier League debut as well. I've got a few more targets in my head, but I want to keep them a bit more personal. I've definitely achieved some of them in terms of scoring for the first team and making my competitive debut. I'm just looking forward and setting myself new targets every time I achieve an old one. It's all about continuing to exceed those targets because there's always something you can aspire to, something to beat. And it's great that you're able to achieve these targets alongside your good friends, Reese and Joe. It's brilliant. They've helped me, and to be honest, I think we've all helped each other. Me, Reese and Joe have been through it together, so to have good friends with you is always a benefit. You can really help each other by pushing each other to reach your maximum ability. Young Gun, the next generation in their own words, Charlie Gilmore, born February 11th, 1999, height and weight, 180 cm, 67 kg, joined age 6, position central midfield, boots Nike Tempos. The highlight for me so far this season was being involved with the first team. I've trained a few times and travelled with the squad to Belarus when we played BATE Borisov in the Europa League. I didn't get to play, but it was a tremendous experience from start to finish. It was interesting to see how the first team players prepare, the team talk, the training. I hope to get further opportunities in the future and getting game time too. I've spent much of this season working on improving my strength, physicality and speed. The coaches have told me this is what I need to do to play more regularly in the under-23s. I train hard and try and improve in all areas, but it's difficult to gauge that improvement without playing games. I played against Spurs last weekend. The result and performance wasn't what we wanted, but personally I was happy to be involved and hopefully I will play a lot more from now until the end of the season. Another thing I've been looking to improve is the defensive side of my game and that's a big part of why I opted to commit my future to Scotland. I've played for England, but have strong roots in Scotland through my dad. I've found that the Scotland national team I play for are more of a team that play for each other, rather than relying on individual talent. England tend to be on the attack, and have less of an emphasis on defence, whereas Scotland more often find themselves defending as a team for large parts of the game, and I believe that will help make me a better all-round midfielder. It's very helpful for me to learn the less glamorous side of the game in a match situation. My main strength is my passing and calmness in possession, 
and that's also ideal for Scotland, as when we get the ball, it's important to make the most efficient use of it, because it's not like England who often have lots of chances. Scotland sides tend to have to be more clinical with the ball in possession and with opportunities on goal. My dad and I regularly travel up to watch Rangers play as Kenny Miller gets us tickets, which we are very grateful for. We were at the Old Firm game on Sunday. It was a 12-hour round trip, but the atmosphere was tremendous, even if the result did not go the way we wanted. It was an exciting game. The standard of Scottish football is nowhere near the Premier League. Celtic are the standout team, but they would struggle in the Premier League and are arguably more of a championship standard. It's difficult because they don't have the resources that are available to clubs in England, and in truth, the competition is also not really strong enough to push the top teams further. Our first team have been through a difficult time, but the positive result in Italy last week helped towards rebuilding confidence. It was a good team performance, but we can't take our eyes off the job. AC Milan are a dangerous side, and we have to remain fully focused. The lowdown. Who has been the biggest influence on your career? My dad. What's the best aspect of your game? Passing. What do you still need to work on? Pace and power. Which team did you support as a boy? Arsenal and Rangers. What have been the greatest moments in your career so far? Scoring on debut for Scotland against Italy. Aside from PE, which was your best subject at school? None. Who did you pretend to be in the playground? Stephen Gerrard. What's your most valuable possession? My Apple Mac. What other sports are you good at? Boxing. If you could score any goal, which would it be? Mario Goetz in the World Cup final. Which current player would you most like to play against? Lionel Messi. You choose. Nando's or KFC? Nando's. Messi or Ronaldo? Messi. Champions League or World Cup? World Cup. Instagram or Snapchat? Instagram. Home kit or away kit? Home kit. Kane West or Drake? Drake. Beach holiday or city break? Beach holiday. 40 or 400 metres? 400 metres. Red sauce or brown sauce? Red sauce. Best and worst of the Arsenal Academy? Sense of humour? Yasin. Worst music? Vlad. Best at FIFA? Me. Worst to sit next to? Tolaji. Best engine? Eddie. Worst dancer? Me. Fastest? Reese. Best ball skill? Vlad. Charlie was speaking to Lambros Lambrou. Arsenal Youth. Young Gunners surrender a lead in North London Derby defeat at Meadow Park. Saturday, March the 10th, Premier League 2. Arsenal under-23s 1, Ballard 18th minute. Tottenham Hotspur under-23s 3. T. Aoma, 26th minute, Skip, 35th minute, Bennett, 57th minute. Daniel Ballard's first Premier League two goal gives us a lead. Tottenham come back to take all three points. We still have the title in our own hands despite defeat. Daniel Ballard's opener ultimately counted for nothing as Tottenham came from behind to beat us 3-1 in a fiercely contested North London derby at Meadow Park. 
This was a missed opportunity for Steve Gatting's young gunners to close the gap on league leaders Leicester City, though thanks to the Foxes' defeat at Swansea City on Monday, Arsenal could still finish as Premier League 2 champions if we win our final four matches. Getting made four changes to the team that had been beaten at Leicester last time out. Matt Macy replaced Dejan Ilyev in goal, Ballard came in for Konstantinos Mavropanos, Trey Coyle was in for Yassine Fortune, and Tyrese John Jules, sent off in that match, saw his place taken by Charlie Gilmore. Under-23 regulars Joe Willock, Reese Nelson and Eddie Nicotier all missed out too, as a result of being named in the first-team squad for the victory over Watford. But despite the absence of those players, we got off to a good start and could have taken the lead earlier than we did. Josh De Silva won possession in midfield and the ball was eventually worked to Emil Smith-Rowe. The midfielder fed Xavier Amechi down the flank and his pullback was met by Vlad Dragomir, whose goal-bound shot was charged down. We had the momentum in the early stages, and after Jordi Ozesi Tutu was brought down just outside the area, we found the goal our start had merited, when Ballard powerfully nodded home Amechi's resulting free kick. Our lead lasted just eight minutes, though. Timothy Ayoma, brother of Arsenal's Aaron, was fouled by Gilmore and after a free kick was directed back into his path, the fullback headed past Macy at the back post. Just after the half-hour mark, the visitors went in front. A slick move ended with Joe Pritchard picking out Oliver Skip on the edge of the area. There was still much for Skip to do, but he finished impressively, guiding a half-volley home. Tottenham's second was impressive, but their third was even better. It arrived 12 minutes after the break. Kean Bennett curled a 30-yard free kick into the top corner. We threw players forward in an attempt to get back into the game. In doing so, the game opened up, and Tottenham substitute Jack Rolls passed up an opportunity to end the contest, firing against the crossbar after Skip had played him through on goal. Gatting's side continued to push forward, but try as they might, they were unable to get back into the game. Arsenal team. Macy, Osetutu, Ballard, Medley, Bola, De Silva, Gilmore, Balgan, 80th minute, Coyle, Ayoma, 62nd minute, Smith-Rowe, Amayechi, Dragomir. Subs not used, Keto, Oluwu, Smith. Youth Cup semi-final date. We reached the FA Youth Cup semi-final with a 5-1 win over Colchester United. And now we can confirm when we will face Blackpool in the last four of the competition. Our under-18s will travel to north-west England on Tuesday, March the 20th at Bloomfield Road for the first leg, before hosting the Tangerines at Emirates Stadium on Monday, April the 16th. The winners will face either Chelsea or Birmingham City in the final. First leg, Blackpool under-18s versus Arsenal under-18s, Tuesday, March the 2nd, Kick-off 7pm at Blackpool FC. Second leg, Arsenal under-18s versus Blackpool under-18s. Monday, April the 16th, kick-off 7pm at Emirates Stadium. Young Guns catch the eye. He's made 14 first-team appearances himself already this season. 
and Reese Nelson feels fans should be excited regarding the quality of players starring the under-18s and under-23s. It's a really exciting time for all youth teams at the moment, Nelson told Arsenal.com. We're near the top of the table in the Premier League too, and we're into the latter rounds of the FA Youth Cup. I think everyone's just buzzing in the youth section of the training ground at the moment. We've got so many talented youngsters in our ranks, but the ones who have really stood out for me are Trey Coyle at number 10 and Xavier Amechi on the wing, who's also made a couple of under-23 appearances. Flo Balogun is like a young Eddie Nicotier up front because he gets into good positions and always scores goals. I really like Bukeo Saka as well. He's still young but is doing the business for them, including that really good goal at Anfield. He's definitely one for the future too. Arsenal Youth. Words were by Connor Armstrong. Arsenal v Italy. This is Arsenal's 35th meeting with Italian opposition. The first was back in 1970. Here, John Sperling looks back on six classic encounters with Italian teams in various European competitions through the years. Cup Winners' Cup semi-final, April 23, 1980. Juventus 0, Arsenal 1. Arsenal scorer, Varsen. Arsenal's chances of defeating the Italian giants in the Cup Winners' Cup semi-final appeared slim after a 1-1 draw at Highbury in the first leg. Only an own goal from striker Roberto Bettiga, whose wild lunge on Gunners defender David O'Leary, saw the Irishman stretched off, enabled Terry Neal's men to equalise. No English side had ever come away from the Stadio Comunale with a victory and a hostile 66,386 cheering crowd set off flares and smoke bombs to create a truly febrile atmosphere in the return leg a fortnight later. Yet Juventus seemed unsure as to whether to build on their away goal advantage or simply prevent the Gunners from breaking forward. Their tactical uncertainty cost them dear late on. Midfielder Graham Ricks floated in a delicious cross and young striker Paul Varson leapt ahead past a nonplussed Dino Zoff. The home crowd was stunned into silence as Arsenal players leapt all over Varson knowing that their unexpected one nil victory had taken them into the Cup Winners' Cup final. Champions League Round of 16 March 4th, 2008 AC Milan nil, Arsenal 2 Arsenal scorers Fabregas Adebayor A tight Champions League last 16 first leg at the Emirates Stadium saw the respective midfields cancel one another out. Arsenal wasted their best chance when, from a Theo, league holders were hot favourites to kill off Arsenal in the San Siro a fortnight later, but as their floundering Serie A form proved, they weren't quite the force they'd been. The second leg was every bit as tight, but six minutes from time, Arsenal midfielder Cesc Fabregas drove forward, and after letting fly from outside the box, his rasping shot flew past Kalach to give Arsene Wenger's side 
a priceless lead and a precious away goal advantage, with Milan throwing everything forward too little too late, Theo Walcott scampered down the right-hand side, cut in, and his low cross was side-footed by a jubilant Adebayor. Arsenal's stunning 2-0 win saw them reach the quarter-final. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Cup Winners' Cup semi-final, April 20th, 1995. Sampdoria 3, Arsenal 2. Sampdoria scorers Mancini and Bellucci with two goals. Arsenal scorers Wright and Schwartz. The Gunners' Cup Winners' Cup first leg clash at home with Sampdoria had been one of the most heart-stopping in Highbury's long history. Under the caretaker management of Stuart Houston, Arsenal attacked with gusto at home and two Steve Bold goals with a customary strike by Ian Wright gave Houston's men a 3-2 win. But Sven Goran Eriksson's men still fancied their chances, and although Wright netted again for Arsenal, an early goal by Roberto Mancini, and two in as many minutes by Claudio Bellucci, which gave his side a 3 1 lead on the night in the 87th minute, appeared to have put Sampdoria in the final. That was until Stefan Schwartz netted a late, late free kick which tied up the scores at 5-5 on aggregate. This white-knuckle ride was settled in a dramatic penalty shootout. David Siemens' superb save from Attilio Lombardo's spot kick confirmed that the reigning Cup winners' cup holders were once again in the final. Cup winners' cup semi-final, March 15th, 1994. Arsenal 1, Torino 0. Arsenal scorer Adams. Even manager George Graham admitted that Arsenal's 
goalless away draw in the first leg of the Cup Winners' Cup semi-final was hardly easy on the eye. As the Scot admitted, good luck to TV companies who have to squeeze the highlights out of that. The return at Highbury was a similarly dour spectacle. Apart from one passage of play, there was pure Arsenal circa 1994. Paul Davis, brought in from the cold for European matches, floated in a free kick which was headed in by skipper Tony Adams. Paul has this unerring ability to put any ball on a sixpence, explained a delighted Graham after the match. The Gunners' notoriously mean defence clammed up for the rest of the night and Arsenal had edged themselves into the Cup Winners' Cup final. Fairs Cup, first round, September 23, 1970. Arsenal 2, Lazio 0. Arsenal scorers, Radford and Armstrong. The Roman Giants' prime weapons in this Fairs Cup first round clash with a hostile crowd inside the Olympic Stadium and flamboyant Welsh-born striker Giorgio Cineglia, whose two-goal haul in the first leg saw him confirm his reputation as Italy's rising star. Yet the feisty crowd had already been silenced twice by John Radford, who nodded home an Eddie Kelly cross for the Gunners' first goal, and then tapped in at the near post for his side's second. Following the 2-2 draw in Rome, things turned nasty when, after a joint banquet, players from both sides fought one another inside and outside the restaurant. Lazio made noises about not playing the second leg at Highbury, despite UEFA siding with Fairs Cup holders Arsenal and finding Lazio for their actions. The return leg was never really in doubt after John Radford headed home a Peter Storey cross after just 10 minutes and George Armstrong took advantage of Lazio's increasing desperation to add a second with just a quarter of an hour left. The intimidation Arsenal had been shown in Rome had merely strengthened their growing team spirit. Champions League group stage, November 25th, 2003. Inter Milan 1, Arsenal 5. Inter Milan scorer, Vieri. Arsenal scorers, Henri with 2, Jungberg, Edu, Pires. Arsenal's Champions League campaign has got off to the worst possible start at Highbury when Julio Ricardo Cruz, Andy van der Meijer and Oberfemi Martins grabbed three first-half goals, with Thierry Henry seeing a penalty wonderfully saved by Francesco Toldo to compound the Gunners' misery. The 3-0 half-time scoreline stayed the same, and Arsenal, with their Group B fortunes hanging by a thread, could have been forgiven for being nervous when they visited the San Siro two months later for the away match. Thierry Henry calmed Arsene Wenger's men's nerves with a great finish to give the Gunners the lead, although Christian Vieri soon equalised for Inter. Freddie Jungberg edged Arsenal back into the lead just after half-time before Henry's late burst and finish put the match beyond any doubt. Late goals from Edu and Robert Pires saw Arsenal eventually win 5-1 against a now demoralised Inter, meaning their chances of qualification from Group B were well and truly rekindled. 
Community. Using the power of the Arsenal name to positively impact the lives of young people since 1985. Twitter in the community. Author at damfriedman 99 stayed to chat with children about learning to love reading and even signed a copy for everyone. Thanks Dan and at PLC Communities for the books. Ash World Book Day hash PL Primary Stars. Where are they now? Lloyd Gale Ward. When were you involved with Arsenal in the community? I was a trainee at Arsenal between 1996 and 1998. What was your role? I was one of a number of young people taking part in NVQ qualification training and facilitation management and sports coaching. What are you doing now? I work as a systems specialist for a national policing organisation. My work involves configuring and setting up systems so they are easy for people to use. I also train people how to use online systems. How did your time with the community department help you in your current role? It taught me to plan and take responsibility for my actions, to be considerate and think about the needs of others. In addition, I learned to be flexible in communicating information to different age groups. I use all of these skills on a daily basis, in and outside of work, and they have allowed me to play an active part in society. Premier League Primary Stars Schools Tournament 2018 Last month, schools from across Islington, Camden and Hackney took part in our annual school football tournaments. The Premier League Primary Stars Schools Tournament is a national competition coordinated by the Premier League, with every top-flight club in the country hosting under-11 girls and under-11 mixed local stage tournaments. The winners in each category progress to the national finals where they represent their local Premier League club. The tournament is one of the highlights of the Arsenal in the Community and Premier League Communities calendar and allows hundreds of youngsters the chance to experience the thrill of being treated like a top-flight footballer. First up was the girls' competition, where Canterbury Primary from Islington went through the entire local stage competition without conceding a goal, before defeating De Bova Primary 4-0 in the final. The team were invited to our recent Europa League fixture against Ostersunds, where they went pitch-side to be presented with their winner's medals and shield. Two weeks later, it was the mixed tournament, and teams battled against the elements to show off their skills and contribute to an excellent day of football. After an exciting group stage, the goals were harder to come by in the knockout rounds, with several games going to extra time and even penalties. The final saw two of the early favourites, St Mary Magdalene Academy and Torriano Primary meet in the final. After a tight game, it was St Mary Magdalene who ran out 1-0 winners. Both events took place at the Football Foundation-funded Market Road football pitches, with much of the planning and match officiating carried out by our BTEC students. Gunasaurus was a keen spectator and on hand to congratulate the winning teams. Arsenal in the community's James Warnock said, We would like to thank every school that took part in this year's Premier League Primary Stars Schools tournaments. 
The level of football and fair play on display in both competitions was excellent. Both Canonbury Primary and St Mary Magdalene Academy will represent the club well at the finals. Both schools will represent Arsenal at the national finals taking place at the King Power Stadium, home of Leicester City Football Club, in May. Good luck, guys! In the words of Arsene Wenger, the glare has never been stronger, so we asked the Arsenal stars about pressure situations on and off the pitch. Aaron Ramsey, Pressure Point. In which Arsenal match have you felt under the most pressure? That was probably the FA Cup final against Hull City. We hadn't won anything for a long time, so we went into the game with a lot of pressure to win. It was a game we were expected to win. Which non-Arsenal match have you felt the most pressure in? Probably the quarter-finals in the European Championship against Belgium. That was a massive game for us, and we went 1-0 down. So it was a tough game, but we actually played better as soon as we conceded, and went on to win the game comfortably. Are you somebody who needs to feel a bit of pressure to perform? Yes, I like to feel pressure. It shows that you're ready and can't wait for the game to start. I'm somebody who likes to experience pressure. I can never wait for the game to start and to get those juices flowing. It gets you geared up and ready to play. Do you have any technique you use to alleviate pressure before a game? Before games, I think music is probably the biggest one to calm the pressure down a little bit. It's always pretty loud in the dressing room, with a mixture of different types of music. But I also like to have a massage to make sure my body is in the best possible shape before I go out. What sort of music do you listen to before a game? There's all sorts of music being played in the dressing room before the game. R&B, indie, French rap, not my favourite. What do you listen to? I listen to indie before the game. That's my sort of music. Arctic Monkeys, Kings of Leon, there's a whole bunch of that sort of music. Do you think you've ever buckled under pressure? I don't think you buckle under pressure. I think it's more of a learning curve than anything. Maybe in the early stages of your career, you tried to impress so much that you actually tried too hard to do things than to just let it flow naturally. That's just a learning curve that I think a lot of youngsters experience and you get better at that with age. What's the most pressurised part of your match day? I think the biggest part where you feel the pressure building is when you're driving in on the coach and you see the fans walking to the stadium. You can feel the atmosphere building and that's when it all starts to kick off for me. Arsenal are winning a cup final with five minutes to go but you're at home and unable to play. How stressed are you? I think when I'm not playing I'm actually worse because I can't have an effect on the game and I just have to rely on my teammates to get a result. I can't have an influence on that so I'm probably worse watching them playing. With a striker bearing down on goal, who would you want to be making the last-ditch tackle? I would say that I'd want Koscielny there. He's quick and he's a great defender, so he'd put in a decent challenge, I think. The opposition have a last-minute penalty, but who would you want in goal? Well, Ospina saved one the other day, so I'll go with Ospina. Arsenal have a penalty to win the cup final in the last minute, Who do you want taking it? I'm going to say myself. I'd go for it because that way I would only have myself to blame. It's a penalty shootout. You put yourself forward. 
If there's a penalty shootout, then I would put myself forward, yes. If you are taking a penalty, when do you decide where you'll put it? I think that depends on who is in goal as well. You try to do a bit of research on that. Some goalkeepers will wait for the opponent to actually take the shot. Some like to go a bit earlier and take a gamble. It all depends on the goalkeeper. Which opponent do you look at in the tunnel and feel the most pressure from? I don't look at opponents in the tunnel. If I know somebody, I'll see them before the game, but then I'm just focused on my own performance and our game. Your agent says there's a speaking role in a new film. Would you take it? I'm not sure. If it was James Bond, then I would probably go for it. But no, I think I would need a lot of work before hitting Hollywood. It's your driving test again. Would you pass it or are you worried? I'm worried about it. I think there's loads more questions now to answer than when I did it. I think there might have been only 30 questions when I did it, so yes, I would be worried. You have to car share with a teammate. Who's your nightmare driver? I'd say one of the younger boys. I don't want to say that they drive really fast, but I do see some of them leaving the car park and I think, yeah, they're a bit excited to get to their destination. You've just moved into a new house and you need to put up shelves. Can you do it? Sort of. I don't know what I'd be drilling into. I might take out some cables or something else behind the walls. The shells might end up slanted, but I'd give it a go. You've been asked to be best man at a wedding. How do you feel about making the speech? See, I think that can work both ways. It's better to just have a solid speech and then get away from it, instead of trying to crack jokes because they can go awfully wrong, like my mate did at mine. He had a nightmare. You're stranded on a desert island. Can you survive? You know, I'd really like to do that. I think that's something I'd enjoy doing. Trying to survive and being in the wild and testing yourself. I'd enjoy that challenge. You've got a year to learn to play pro in another sport. Which would you choose? Rugby. I did play when I was younger and I loved it. Match action. AC Milan v Arsenal. Thursday, March 8, 2018. Europa League round of 16, first leg. Game number 46. AC Milan 0, Arsenal 2. Arsenal scorers, Mkhitaryan in the 15th minute and Ramsey in the 28th minute. Venue, San Siro. Referee, Femon Turpin. Attendance, 72,821. Away fans, 1,900. Match stats, total shots. Milan, 16. Arsenal, 8. Shots on target, Milan, 1. Arsenal, 4. Corners, Milan, 10. Arsenal, 3. Offsides, Arsenal, 1. Fouls, Milan 8, Arsenal 13. Possession, Milan 51%, Arsenal 49%. Match facts, with two assists, Mesut Ozil has now been involved in 100 goals in 189 games for Arsenal. 37 goals, 63 assists. Arsenal's opener ended a run of 599 minutes without conceding a goal for AC Milan. 
The Gunners are the first side to beat AC Milan at the San Siro in the Europa League stroke UEFA Cup since Roda JC did in February 2002. Man of the match, Granit Zaka. AC Milan lineup. Number 99, Donnarumma. Number 2, Calabria, substituted 79th minute. Number 19, Bonucci. Number 13, Romagnoli. Number 68, Rodriguez. Number 79, Kessi. Number 21, Biglia. Number 5, Bonaventura. Number 8, Sousa. Number 63, Butrone. Substituted 69th minute. Number 10, Colangolu. Substituted 62nd minute. Substitutes. Number 90, Donnarumma. Number 17, Zapota. Number 73, Locatelli. Number 18, Montalivo. Number 11, Barini. Brought on 79th minute. Number 7, Kalinic. Brought on 62nd minute. Number 9, Silva. Brought on 69th minute. Arsenal lineup. Number 13, David Ospina. Number 21, Chambers. Substituted 85th minute. Number 6, Bozilini. Number 20, Mustafi. Number 31, Koresinac. Brought on 62nd minute. Number 8, Ramsey. Number 29, Zaka. Number 10, Wilshire. Number 11, Ozil. Substituted 80th minute. Number 77, Mkhitaryan. Number 23, Welbeck. Substitutes. Number 33, Czech. Number 16, Holding. Brought on 80th minute. Number 30, Maitland-Niles. Brought on 62nd minute. Number 35, Elineni. Brought on 85th minute. Number 17, Iwobi. Number 61, Nelson. Number 62, Enkatia. First half. A bright start to the game saw Henrik Mkhitaryan shoot into the side netting. David Ospina then did well to cut off a through ball to Hakan Kalanoglu before Arsenal took the lead on 15 minutes. Mkhitaryan cut inside and his powerful deflected shot whistled past Gianluigi Donnarumma. Arsenal went hunting a second. Callum Chambers had a powerful drive thwarted by Donnarumma, who then saved from Danny Welbeck and saw Mkhitaryan hit his crossbar before Aaron Ramsey struck on the stroke of half-time, Cooley walking the ball in after being played in by Mesut Ozil. Second half, the Gunners created an early chance to add to their lead. Donnarumma saved from Welbeck after a mistake from Frank Kessie. AC Milan were reduced to half chances and Ricardo Rodriguez volleyed off target following a corner. With seven minutes to go, Ospina rushed from his line to prevent Nikola Kalinic having a run at goal. But it was a rare scare for the Gunners. He produced a superbly composed display of defending in the second period to comfortably hold on to their two-goal first-leg advantage.
Arstall Women. The latest news from round and about. Joe Montemurro's team by Andy Exley. Congratulations, Sari and Dom. In the Watford programme, we reported on Sarivan Vanindal and Dominique Janssen's participation in the Algarve Cup, with the Dutch beating Japan and Denmark and drawing against Iceland. The series of results meant the Dutch were set to line up against Sweden in the competition's final, but the match was called off due to heavy rainfall and, as a result, both teams were awarded first place. The Algarve Cup is another accolade to add to last year's European Championship triumph when the Gunners' other two Netherlands internationals, Daniel van der Donk and Viviane Maidima, were also involved. Both players were unavailable through injury for the Algarve Cup. She's got a lot on. Arsenal legend Alex Scott may be winding down her participation with the Gunners' first team but we're certainly seeing plenty of her elsewhere. Fans will have noticed that she was working for Sky Sports at the Emirates on Sunday, interviewing goalkeeper Petra Cech prior to the Watford game when she asked him if he would achieve his 200th Premier League clean sheet. Perhaps it inspired the giant Cech to finally claim the record and of course make his memorable penalty save from Troy Deeney. And remember when Alex won Bear Grylls' mission Survive a couple of years ago? Well, on Friday, March the 23rd, she's arguably taking on something even more scary, Strictly. Alex will be joined by fellow footballers Chris Kamara and David Ginola for a special Strictly Come Dancing for Sport Relief. The programme will be aired at 7pm on March the 23rd. Don't miss it. Good luck, Alex. Family Fun Day. Fans are invited to attend a unique family event on Sunday, April the 1st at Boreham Wood FC's Meadow Park, ahead of our game against Chelsea Ladies. We've got lots planned, including Arsenal coaching sessions, player appearances, giveaways, an Easter egg hunt and lots more. This free event takes place between 10am and 12pm prior to our game against Chelsea, kicking off at 12.30pm. The coaching sessions, run by our community team, will take place at 10.30am to 11.15am, girls aged between 7 and 10, 11.15am and 12pm, girls aged between 11 and 14. You can register for a place via arsenal.com and the deadline for applying is Friday, March the 23rd. Confirmation will be sent the week commencing Monday, March the 26th. Great Developments Across the February half-term, over 50 girls from our player development programmes under 10 to under 14 age groups played in a festival at Wickham Wanderers and were treated to a surprise appearance from Arsenal star Heather O'Reilly who gave expert advice to all of the teams. Meanwhile, our under 16 age group had the opportunity to play in their first ever fixture against a development programme team from Norwich City and we were lucky enough to be hosted by our new sister club, Newmarket Town LFC. Our development programme girls didn't win the fixture, but learnt a lot from playing as a team, working together and supporting each other. The Arsenal WFC player development programme has over 200 girls taking part on a weekly basis. We have four centres based across the region and aim to create an environment for every girl to be the best that they can be. If you or your child are interested in playing in our development programme, 
please email Development Officer Tom Hartley. His email address is thartley at arsenal.co.uk. The Visitors. History beckons for Italian giants AC Milan this evening. A brief history. Formed 1899. Stadium San Siro. Stadium capacity 80,018. Head coach Gennaro Grattuso. Nickname Rossoneri. Serie A titles 18. Record goalscorer Gunnar Nordahl. 221. Record appearance maker Paolo Maldini. 902. Tonight's visitors are one of the traditional greats of European football. With seven European Cup wins, they are second only to Real Madrid in that competition's all-time role of honour. The Rossoneri, Red and Blacks, have also won the Italian Championship 18 times, adding five Coppa Italia titles and two European Cup winners' cup crowns. But Milan have never won the UEFA Cup or Europa League. Indeed, like Arsenal, they are appearing in the current incarnation of this tournament for the first time. And furthermore, they have only once in their history recovered to win a UEFA competition tie after losing the first leg at home. And that was in their very first against German club Saarbrücken in the opening round of the inaugural European Cup way back in 1955-56. On six occasions since then, including twice with a 2-0 defeat, they have been unable to turn the tie back in their favour away from home. Needless to say, with Arsenal having won every European time which they have won the first leg away, Gennaro Gattuso and his players have a sizeable task on their hands. They will certainly feel they didn't do themselves justice in the first leg, which came on the back of a fine run of 13 matches unbeaten. The last of them, a nil-nil draw and penalty shootout whirl at Lazio, that earned them a Coppa Italia final spot against Juventus. Like Arsenal, Milan are currently sixth in their domestic league, outside the qualifying bracket for next season's Champion League, a competition from which they have been absent since 2013-14. Despite their recent good run, to which they added a dramatic last-gasp 1-0 win at Genoa on Sunday, they face a tough task to make the top four in Serie A a legacy of the poor spell the team went through in the first half of the season under former boss Vincenzo Montella, now with Sevilla and on Champions League duty at Old Trafford a couple of nights ago. A heavy outlay on new players last summer was supposed to make Milan Serie A challengers once again this season, but after a decent start, four wins in the first five games, the Rossoneri lost their way in the autumn, two wins in ten and Montella was sacked in November and replaced by under-19 boss Gattuso. They currently sit 24 points behind table-topping Juventus. Until last week's defeat by Arsenal, Milan's first European campaign in four years was going well. They overcame Universitea Croeva of Romania and Shikendija of Macedonia in the qualifying rounds before topping a group containing Austria-Vienna, Rijeka, and AEK Athens, and then beating Ludogorets 4-0 on aggregate in the round of 32. Their most recent European encounter on the road resulted in a 3-0 win in Bulgaria. 
They will need a similar result to keep their Europa League hopes alive this evening. The squad. Antonio Donnarumma, goalkeeper, number 90. Born in Casalamare di Stabia, Italy, 7th of July 1990. Previously, Milan, Placenza, Lone, Gubbio, Lone, Genoa, Bari, Lone, Asteras, Tripoli. Info. Older brother of first-choice keeper Gianluigi Donnarumma, Antonio returned to his boyhood club in the summer after an impressive 2016-2017 season at Greek club Asteras Tripoli. Davida Calabria, defender, number two. Born Brescia, Italy, 6th of December 1996. Previously, none. Info, an academy graduate. The 21-year-old right-back has represented Italy at various youth levels and was a member of the under-21 squad at last summer's European Championship. He had an eventful first leg against Arsenal, twice receiving treatment for injuries. Ignazio Abate, defender, number 20. Born, San Agata di Gotti, Italy, 12th of November 1986. Previously, Milan, Napoli, Lone. Placenza, loan. Moderna, loan. Empoli, Torino. Info. A Milan first teamer for a decade, though he actually made his debut in December 2003. The 22 cap Italy international is the lone survivor from the Rossoneri side that played here and lost 3 0 six years ago. Christian Zapata, defender, number 17. Born Padilla, Colombia. 30th of September 1986. Previously, Deportivo Cali, Udinese, Villarreal. Info, a Colombia international teammate of David Ospina, who has played at four major tournaments and is set to make it five at this year's World Cup. He is a versatile defender who has been with Milan since 2012, an unused sub last week. Alessio Romagnoli, defender, number 13. Born Anzio, Italy, 12th of January 1995. Previously, Roma, Sampdoria, Lone. Info, Captain Bonucci's regular partner in the heart of the Milan defence. The 23-year-old left-footer has made impressive progress with the club since joining from Roma after a season on loan at Sampdoria in 2015, capped five times by Italy. Ricardo Rodriguez. Defender, number 68. Born Zurich, Switzerland. 25th of August 1992. Previously, FC Zurich, Wolfsburg. Info, a Switzerland teammate of Granit Zaka. He is the man whose controversially awarded penalty knocked Northern Ireland out of the World Cup in last November's playoffs. A gifted left back with a powerful shot. He joined from Wolfsburg last summer. Frank Kessie. Midfielder, number 79. Born, Oregayo, Ivory Coast, 19th of December 1996. Previously, Stella Club, Atalanta, Cessna, Loan. Info, the 21-year-old Ivory Coast International arrived last summer on a two-year loan deal with an obligation to buy after a fine 2016-17 season. His first in Serie A, with Atalanta. His all-purpose midfield style has been compared to that of Yaya Toure. Lucas Biglia, midfielder, 
Number 21. Born Buenos Aires, Argentina. 30th of January 1986. Previously, Argentinos Juniors. Independiente. Andalek. Lazio. Info. A likely starter for Argentina in the 2018 World Cup. The 32-year-old holding midfielder has bedded in well at Milan following last year's move from Lazio. He played over 300 games for Anderlecht, winning four Belgian titles. Giacomo Bonaventura, midfielder, number 5. Born San Severino, Marche, Italy, 22nd of August 1989. Previously, Atalanta, Pergo Kramer, loan, Padova, loan. Info, a versatile attacking midfielder. The Italian international is in his fourth season with the Rossoneri and made his 100th Serie A appearance for the club in January. He previously had 99 outings in Italy's top flight with Atalanta. Manuel Locatelli, midfielder, number 73. Born Lecce, Italy, 8th of January 1989. Previously, none. Info, a highly promising 20-year-old midfielder who has come up through Milan's academy. He has represented Italy on many occasions at various youth levels and famously scored the winning goal age 18 at home to Juventus in Serie A last season. Riccardo Montolivio, midfielder, number 18, born Milan, Italy, 18th of January 1985. Previously, Atalanta, Fiorentina, Info. A vastly experienced schemer who spent seven years with Fiorentina before joining Milan in 2012. He has earned 66 caps for Italy, but missed the last two major tournaments through injury. Despite a distinguished career, he's never won a major trophy. Suso, forward, born Cadiz, Spain. 19th of November 1993, number 8. Previously, Liverpool, Almeria, loan, Genoa, loan. Info, a native of southern Spain. Sousa was scouted as a teenager by Liverpool and played briefly in their first team in 2012 before. The skillful left footer has revived his career at Milan, becoming a valuable attacking asset over the past two seasons. Fabio Borini, forward. Number 11, born. Bentivogoli, Italy, 29th of March 1991. Previously, Chelsea. Swansea, loan. Palmer, Roma, loan. Liverpool, Sundon. Info, another ex-Liverpool player. Fabio spent most of his career in England, the last two seasons with Sunderland, from whom he is on loan to Milan. A scorer in each leg of the round of 32, he started the weekend win at Genoa at right-back. Andrea Silva, forward, number 9. Born, Baguim do Monte, Portugal. 6th of November 1995. Previously, Porto. Info. A brilliant 2016-17 season for both Porto and Portugal earned the 22-year-old a £35 million summer move to Milan. He headed in Sunday's 94th-minute winner against Genoa, his long-awaited first goal in Serie A, to add to the six he has scored in the Europa League. Nikola Kalinic. Forward. Number 7. Born, Solin, Croatia, 5th of January 1988. Previously, Hajduk Split. Pula, loan. Sibenik, loan. Blackburn, Dino Pro, 
Florentina. Info, a Europa League runner-up with Dnipro in 2015. The Croatia international striker subsequently enjoyed two seasons with Fiorentina before joining Milan last summer. Had two seasons in the Premier League with Blackburn, 2009-2011. to Patrick Cutroni, forward, number 63, born Como, Italy, 1st of January 1998. Previously, none. Info, Milan's top scorer this season, with 14 goals in all competitions. The 20-year-old striker is enjoying an outstanding debut season for the club that he joined as a young schoolboy. He has represented Italy at various youth levels and is now an under-21 regular. In focus, the captain, number 19, Leonardo Bonucci, defender, born Viterbo, Italy, 1st of May 1987. Previously, Vitabesi, Inter, Treviso, Inter, Treviso, loan. Pisa, Loan, Genoa, Bari, Juventus. Info, recruited last summer to widespread astonishment from Juventus, where he had been a defensive stalwart, a six-time Serie A champion during a seven-year spell. The 30-year-old Italy international was appointed as Milan captain shortly after his arrival on a five-year contract. His last game for Juve was the 2017 Champions League final against Real Madrid in Cardiff. He has since lifted his total of UEFA competition appearances to 73, making him the most experienced European campaigner in this Milan side. He has also earned 75 caps for Italy, appearing in two World Cups and two European Championships. Gianluigi Donnarumma, goalkeeper. Number 99. Born. Castellamare di Stabia, Italy. 25th of February 1999. Previously, none. Info. One of the most talked about teenagers in world football. He has been the first choice goalkeeper for Milan for the past two years, making his Serie A debut at the age of 16 years and 242 days. Tall, physically imposing and extremely agile, he has been widely touted as the heir apparent in the Italy national team to the great Gianluigi Buffon who is over twice his age, and became the youngest ever keeper to play for the Azzurri when he made his debut in September 2016 friendly against France, substituting Buffon, aged 17 years and 189 days. He has kept six clean sheets in ten European appearances. Hakan Kalhanoglu, number 10, midfielder, born Mannheim, Germany, 8th of February 1994. Previously, Karlsruhe, Hamburg, Bayer Leverkusen. Info. Like Mesut Özil, Hakan Kanalugu is a German-born midfield playmaker of Turkish descent. The difference being that the Milan number 10 signed on a four-year contract from Bayer Leverkusen last July has opted to play international football for Turkey rather than Germany. It was not the best of games for the 24-year-old last week, as he was substituted after 62 relatively discreet minutes. But there is no doubting his talent, especially at set pieces, as he has demonstrated on many occasions with Milan, Turkey and former clubs Hamburg and Leverkusen. He is the only Turkish international ever to have scored against England, achieving the feat in a pre-Euro 2016 friendly in Manchester. The manager, Gennaro Gattuso, born January the 9th, 1978. 
Games 19, previously Sion 2013, Palermo 2013, OFI Crete 2014, Pisa 2015 to 2017. Gennaro Rino Gattuso replaced Vincenzo Montella as Milan head coach at the end of November, earning promotion from the club's Primavera team, where he had been active for the previous six months following a two-year spell at lower league outfit Pisa. A legendary Rossoneri midfielder of Britain Graft, who played for the club from 1999 to 2012, racking up 468 appearances in all competitions. He won both Serie A and the Champions League twice and also lifted the World Cup with Italy in 2006. For both club and country, he formed a venerable silk and steel midfield partnership with playmaker Andrea Pirlo. Words for the visitors by Mike Hammond. Match action Arsenal v Watford Sunday, March 11, 2018 1.30 Premier League Game number 47 Arsenal 3 Watford 0 Arsenal scorers Mustafi, the 8th minute Aubameyang, 59th minute and Mkhitaryan in the 77th minute Venue, Emirates Stadium Referee Martin Atkinson. Attendance 59,131. Match stats. Total shots. Arsenal 11, Watford 11. Shots on target. Arsenal 7, Watford 4. Corners. Arsenal 4, Watford 9. Offsides. Arsenal 5, Watford 3. Fouls. Arsenal 8, Watford 8. Possession, Arsenal 60%, Watford 40%. Match facts, Mustafi's goal was our 1,000th in-home Premier League games. Mesut Ozil became the fastest player to reach 50 Premier League assists, doing so in just 141 games. Petra Cech registered his 200th Premier League clean sheet. Czech saved his first penalty in the Premier League since February 2011. Man of the match, Petra Czech. Arsenal lineup: Number 33, Czech. Number 30, Maitland Niles. Number 16, Holding. Number 20, Mustafi. Substituted 72nd minute. Number 31, Kolasinac. Number 35, Elneny. Number 29, Zaka. Number 7, Bikatarian. Substituted 78th minute. Number 11, Ozil. Number 17, Iwobi. Substituted 66th minute. Number 14, Obamayang. Substitutes. Number 13, Ospina. Number 69, Willock. Number 21, Chambers. Brought on 72nd minute. Number 23, Welbeck. Brought on 66th minute, number 61, Nelson, number 10, Wilshire, brought on 78th minute, number 62, Enkatia. Watford, line-up, number 30, 
Carnesis. Number 21, Firminia, substituted 63rd minute. Number 6, Mariapa. Number 5, Produl. Number 25, Holabas. Number 29, Kapue. Number 16, Ducor. Number 2, Yanmat, substituted 80th minute. Number 37, Pereira, substituted 67th minute. Number 11, Ricardoson. Number 9, Dini. Substitutes. Number 35, Backman. Number 3, Britos, brought on 80th minute. Number 17, Sinclair. Number 18, Gray. Number 19, Hughes, brought on 63rd minute. Number 28, Perillo. Number 33, Okaka, brought on in the 67th minute. First half. A chance came after just three minutes as Mesut Ozil headed in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, whose low strike was saved by Aristis Kamizis. Ozil wasn't to be denied an assist though, when five minutes later his free kick was headed home by Shikojan Mustafi. Petracek then had to make a smart save from Abdolier Ducour before Aubameyang was inches away from a Sayed Kolasinac cross at the far post. In an open game, Ricardoson was denied by Petracek and Roberto Pereira skied the rebound with the goal gaping. Ozil then weaved his way into the box but was denied by Kamizis. Second half. Watford started the half brightly but the Gunners doubled their lead when Henrik Mkhitaryan played in Aubameyang who rounded Kamizis to score. Watford then got a lifeline but a penalty was awarded for an Ainsley Maitland Niles foul on Pereira, but the loudest cheer of the afternoon was reserved for Czech as he saved from Troy Deeney. Watford's agony was complete when Mkhitaryan wrapped up proceedings, receiving a pass from Obama Yang before shooting emphatically through a crowd of bodies. That sums it all up. 20 years since Arsene Wenger's team won Arsenal's second double, the matchday programme recalls the stories that surrounded the 1997-98 season by Jem Maidment. It has become one of the most iconic moments of Arsene Wenger's 22 years at Arsenal, a lightning passage of play which would have wide-reaching consequences. Mark Overmars scampering away from the Manchester United backline before firing past Peter Schmeichel with a plomb to stun Old Trafford into silence. That goal, scored 20 years ago yesterday, earned Arsenal a 1-0 win over the Premiership leaders. But it is considered to be the goal that, to all intents and purposes, won Wenger his first title. There may have been 10 games still to play, but the momentum was with the Gunners and it had all seemed so unlikely just a few short weeks before. On January the 20th, 1998, the title looked way beyond Arsenal. United were top with Arsenal, way back in fifth place, trailing them by 11 points. But a remarkable run of 13 victories in 14 games would turn the title race on its head. Travelling to Old Trafford on March the 14th, 
Arsenal still had it all to do. United remained in the driving seat nine points clear, but a resurgent Gunners had three games in hand. Pat Rice, then Wenger's number two, recalled how a run of four wins and a draw going into the big game had given Arsenal extra confidence. He said, The players had no fear, and they went in there with heart. They knew there would be chances to win the game. I remember the flick on, and Overmars running with his brilliant pace to score a fantastic goal. The Netherlands winger, in his debut season with the club, should have scored earlier, but shot into the side netting after he eased past Gary Neville. Ray Parler also just fired over when he was well-placed to give the visitors the advantage. Arsenal continued to dominate after the break, but the goal would not come. That was until Overmars finally broke the deadlock with just over ten minutes remaining, racing on to Nicholas Anelka's flick-on to emphatically score. Parler says, I think that was probably Mark Overmars' best game for the club. It was definitely his most important goal. It was one of twelve he scored that season. United defender Ben Thornley, a second-half substitute in the game, recalls a player on top of his game. He says Overmars was grease-lightning, an absolutely fantastic football player who you could not catch. But I always remember that goal because Henningberg and Gary Neville both went for the same ball, clattered into each other, and the ball went over both of them for Overmars to run onto. To be fair, he finished it really well across Peter Schmeichel, which was not an easy thing to do. But it was still our error, and that ultimately cost us. Football is all about fine margins, and that was one of them. He remains convinced that a United clean sheet would have kept the title in the North. He said, if we had won that game, or even drawn it, the likelihood is that Arsenal would not have won the league that season, but they did, and fair play to them. It gave Arsenal momentum at just the right time. It also took it out of our hands, which is not a good position to be in. After Overmars' goal, United frantically searched for an equaliser. In their desperation to get something from the game and halt the Gunners' charge, goalkeeper Peter Schmeichel raced forward into the Arsenal area for a free kick. But as the attack broke down, the Denmark goalkeeper pulled his hamstring as he sprinted back to his own goal. With all three United substitutes used, a badly injured Schmeichel was forced to stay on for the final few seconds before he was carried off the pitch. It summed it up for the champions, who could sense their grip on the trophy loosening. As for the match winner, Overmars remained cautiously optimistic, saying, We have a few difficult away matches against Blackburn and Liverpool, but we are going well. This was a great result for us, but you don't win the league against Manchester United. You have to beat the other clubs. Wenger, publicly at least, was not convinced the title had been decided. He tried to take the heat off his players by claiming the old adage that points in the bag were worth more than games in hand. I think United have got a small advantage, because we have to take the points from our games in hand, he said afterwards. But we have closed the gap and it makes it very interesting for everybody for the end of the... for everybody for the end. The bookies agreed, still making United comfortable favourites. While Arsenal's title odds were cut from 11-2 to 9-4, to with William Hill, United were still 1-3 to from 1-8 to pre-match. Clearly rattled United boss Alex Ferguson 
a master of mind games, predictably tried his best to play down Arsenal's chances in the run-in, claiming Arsenal were not as good a football team as us, although he was gracious enough to concede. They played well today. They looked really strong and determined. He added, if Arsenal win their games in hand, they go above us, but they will find out they will start dropping points towards the end of the season. There is no question about that. His prediction proved, thankfully, to be wrong. Wenger side now oozing confidence when their next ace on the trot to clinch the club's first title for seven years. United legend Ryan Giggs is in no doubt the Gunners deserved the title that season. The toughest Arsenal team for me personally was the 1997-98 double winning team, he says. They just had a bit of everything, really. Quality with Bergkamp, Pace with Anelka and Overmars, the experience of the back four, and then the toughness of Vieira and Pettit in midfield. The Arsenal first-team squad in 1997-98 was 1. David Seaman, 2. Lee Dixon, 3. Nigel Winterburn, 4. Patrick Vieira, 5. Steve Wool, 6. Tony Adams, 7. David Platt, 8. Ian Wright, 9. Nicholas Anelka, 10. Dennis Bergkamp, 11. Mark Overmars, 12. Christopher Ray, 13. Alex Manninger, 14. Martin Keown, 15. Ray Parler, 17. Emmanuel Pettit, 18. Gilles Grimandi, 19. Remy Gard, 20. Matthew Upson, 21. Louis Boamorte, 22. Ian Sully, 23. Alberto Mendes, 25. Scott Marshall, 26. Vince Bartram, 27. Paul Shaw, 28. Stephen Hughes, 29. Glenn Helder, 30. Gavin McGowan, 31. Chris Kiwomia, 32. Isaiah Rankin, 33. Michael Black, and 34. Jason Crow. My story, the Arsenal Foundation. The Arsenal Foundation has helped fund Summers Town Boxing Club, a spin-off from the Summers Town Community Association's youth club that runs sessions for youngsters. Jalil, 12, is a regular at the club. I'm from Spain originally, but I live in Camden with my older brother, little sister, mum and my dad. I like to keep fit by running and doing gym exercises like push-up. Before I came to the club, I used to run but I had never boxed before. I found out about the club when I was in a PE lesson at school and a friend told me he was going to boxing session. I wanted to try to make more friends outside of school, so I decided to go along. I'm so glad I did. I made loads of new friends and straight away I felt more confident, so I started to go regularly. The boxing sessions run alongside an open access youth session and after a few weeks I felt confident enough to start to go to the youth club attached to the boxing as well. The boxing sessions take place once a week and last for an hour, and in that time we do shadow boxing, fitness work, pad work and sparring. I haven't taken part in any competitions yet, but I hope that someday in the near future I can compete. Taking up boxing has made me feel more confident in defending myself, and I enjoy socialising with my new friends. I've made so many since joining the club. I now attend the youth club and also go to the after-school activities four days a week. It has helped me build my confidence and is helping me with speaking English as I have only been here 14 months. 
I can honestly say that Summers Town Boxing Club has helped to change my life so much for the better. Before I came to the boxing sessions, I was shy. I lacked confidence. I couldn't speak English very well, and I was getting bullied. Since then, I have become more confident, and I'm able to resolve the issues with bullies as I can now speak English better. Of course, I'm learning at school, but I wouldn't have been able to talk my way out of conflict without the boxing session, as they have given me the confidence to speak to more people, who are now my friends. It's helping me to improve my English every day. I can see, even just in my short time here, that the Arsenal Foundation makes a difference to people's lives. In my case, it's helped me to get active and healthier, and the sessions they help to fund have given me the ambition to become a boxer. This has given me an opportunity to box when I wouldn't have been able to before. For more info, visit www.summerstown.org.uk. Teams for Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger: red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts, and red and white socks. Four. Per Matasaka, six Laurent Koscielny, eight Aaron Ramsey, nine Alexandre Lacazette, ten Jack Wilshere, eleven Mesut Özil, thirteen David Ospina, goalkeeper, fourteen Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, sixteen Rob Holding, seventeen Alex Iwobi, eighteen Nacho Monreal, nineteen Santi Carzola, twenty Godran Mustafi. 21. Callum Chambers 23. Danny Welbeck 24. Hector Bellerin 27. Konstantinos Mafropanos 29. Granit Xhaka 30. Ainsley Maitland-Nile 31. Siad Kalasinak 33. Petra Cech Goalkeeper 35. Mohamed Elneny 43. Josh Da Silva 44. Vlad Dragomir 47. Charlie Gilmore 50. Dan Ilyev, goalkeeper. 54. Matt Macy, goalkeeper. 61. Rhys Nelson. 62. Eddie Nketiah. 63. Jordi Osetutu. 69. Joe Willock. 77. Henrik Mkhitaryan. For AC Milan, head coach Gennaro Gattuso. Black shirts, shorts and socks with red trim. 2. David Calabria. 4. Jose Mori, 5. Giacomo Benaventura, 7. Nikola Kalinic, 8. Suzo, 9. Andre Silva, 10. Haken Kalhanoglu, 11. Fabio Borini, 12. Andrea Conti, 13. Alessio Romagnoli, 15. Gustavo Gomez, 17. Christian Zapata, 18. Ricardo Montalivo, 19. Leonardo Bonici 20. 20. Ignazio Abati 21. Lucas Biglia 22. Matteo Musaccio 27. Ricardo Forte 30. Marco Sturari, goalkeeper 31. Luca Antonelli 46. Matteo Gabbia 47. Raul Bellanova 58. Tommaso Pobeca 63. Patrick Cotroni. 68. Ricardo Rodriguez. 73. Manuel Locatelli. 75. Alessandro Guarnone, goalkeeper. 
79. Frank Essi. 90. Antonio Donnarumma, goalkeeper. 99. Gianluigi Donnarumma, goalkeeper. Officials from Sweden. Referee, Jonas Eriksson. Assistant referees, Matthias Klesinius, Daniel Warnmark. Additional assistants, Andreas Ekberg, <laughs> Stefan Johannesson, fourth official, Mehmet Kulem. Today's other Europa League fixtures, 8.05pm unless stated. Lokomotiv Moscow versus Atlético Madrid, 4pm. Dynamo Kiev versus Lazio, 6pm. Athletic Bilbao vs. Marseille, 6pm. Zenit vs. RB Leipzig, 6pm. Klusen vs. Sporting, 6pm. RB Salzburg vs. Dortmund. Lyon vs. CSKA Moscow. The Arsenal Foundation, helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. Hello, this is Arsene Wenger. That brings us to the end of this audio production of the Arsenal Matchday program. Puma One. Play perfect. Gatorade. It all begins from within. Every victory starts from within. That's where the heart and the drive live. The determination to come up big when it matters most. But no athlete does it alone. They need training and fuel to perform. Gatorade is proud to fuel any athlete who believes greatness comes from within. Gatorade. Win from within. Copyright 2013. S-VC.H. Gatorade and G-Design are registered trademarks of s-vc.in. Do everything once in a lifetime in Australia and New Zealand. Don't just visit, live it. From the rugged outback and spectacular coastlines to adventure sports and natural wonders. Choose from seven destinations on emirates.com slash UK. Hello tomorrow. Emirates.